Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I have Bonnie Jones from Grainmaker Grain Mills, and I am so excited to have her on today because I have been seeing their products pop up everywhere in our homestead world, and I want to hear all about it. So welcome, Bonnie. Thank you, Cody. It's great to be here. I love it. So tell me a little bit about you. Well, um, so my husband and I, uh, back in 1999 with the whole Y2K uh, situation, uh, decided that we would get a grain mill. We had friends who grew grain and really didn't know much about the whole Y2K situation. I don't even believe we had a computer at the time, but um, as we started hearing more about it, we decided we would we would do that. And um, that's that was what a I really just- concerning, like that all of our, you know, ocean computers and stuff would go out and mess with our satellites. I remember right? that well. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And so we, um, I grew up, you know, on a farm and it was ironic because a lot of times we fed the animals, what we grew, you know, and we didn't really think much about eating it as far as the, the field crops, as far as mm-hmm. the, the larger crops. And so, um, we decided to get some grain and ordered it from friends of ours and all of a sudden realized we needed a mill. And I went to order one and that's when I really discovered what a big deal Y2K was because everybody was so backordered and my husband being a machinist decided I'll just, I'll just make you one. And, um, I like it. Yeah. We, that's how it really exactly how it started was he went to work and, um, asked his boss if on his off time, if he could build a little flour mill and he did. And in the meantime, we found out about a little um, preparedness event that was happening in our community. And we had friends tell us we should go with our grain mill. And we didn't really even have a grain mill yet, but we signed up for it. And the day of the event, he plops it down on the table and says, well, I hope it works. And it did. <laughs> so uh, we we had always, we had been homeschooling our children and um, always wanted to have our own business. And literally the grain mill was what launched our home business for us. And, you know, over 20 years later, here we are. And I don't think that at that, at that time in 1999, we could have ever fathomed how a hand mill would change our lives. And it has been such a great experience just being able to visit with people all over. And um, Mm -hmm. they've been my educators, you know, they've really shown me so much more than I ever would have imagined. I love that. And, you know, I saw your guys' mills at the Modern Home Setting Conference and I, Uh I fell in love. They're beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I, you know, I, I love that you both, you have both motorized and a hand crank one. Um, Is there a reason for that or? Well, we make all of the mills as a hand operated mill, um, but we put a big, um, like a big pulley uh, wheel on the side that has a groove in it 
to allow people to motorize it if they want to. And initially, all we were doing was selling the hand operated and allowing you know people the opportunity to motorize it themselves. And we had so many people contacting us and saying, well, you know, where would we get a motor? Where would we, how do we do this? How do we put a kit together to make it motorized? And so that kind of led to us um, eventually having a kit that would include all the belts and um, components necessary to do it. And then eventually we also added a, um, a specialty motor that keeps everything all contained. There's actually no belts involved with it. It just, it just slides onto the shaft of the mill and it's always sold though, as a hand operated mill, even if they do get a motor, they still have the opportunity to be able to hand crank it if necessary. See, I love that because, you know, of course in our world today and um, kind of in the homestead prepper window, we're always worried about losing power. Sure. Whether that be for the weekend or for life. Yep. And so I love that you have that option. I mean, even where we're at, sometimes we'll lose power for a week at a time. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't ground flour beforehand, and I mean, I have a nice like vacuum seal thing and stuff. Of course, if I lost power, my vacuum seal would only work for so long, but I have that option where I can mill in advance. But if I just happen to be at the end of my week and the power goes out, we don't have flour. Yep. Yeah, we... um... We've found that a lot of people that are new to the process are not aware, you know, like how much effort is it going to be to grind and how long is it going to take me and those types of things. And, you know, it's so variable because it, it depends on what they're grinding and how fine they want it and Mm -hmm. what kind of weather it, you know, like if they live in a more humid environment compared to a drier climate and all of those factors make a big difference in the performance of, you know, what you're grinding as well as the mill. And so um, a lot of people that are just starting out, I really do encourage them, whether it's the motor that we sell, or if they have their own motor, as long as you have power, I recommend using it simply because you're already putting in so much effort into hand, you know, into making your bread or making Mm -hmm. your product. And if you can save a little bit of time, um, do it, you know, and other people, the kind of the flip side of that is, you know, people like the idea of hand cranking it. You know, I'm a busy homeschool mom of six. We run three businesses. I don't have time to make all my bread and sourdoughs by hand. Right. I use the dough cycle on my bread machine all the time. Sure. And that's how I can keep bread in my house for six kids. Yep. Because literally if I don't make two to four at a time, they are eating it before I even get a chance to make a sandwich. (laughs) Uh Yep. I understand that for sure. So, I mean, I always preach like, you know, we're, we're, we're modern homesteaders. We live in a modern life. Yep. Enjoy the modern conveniences as long as they make sense, but don't forget that that is a modern thing and may not always be available to us. And I love that. You know, I, I think that it's a good lesson to remember, um, you know, we don't have to do it all. So uh, certainly we don't have to do it all by ourselves. Right. There are up to seven other people who live in my house. I do not do it all by myself. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yep. 
And that, you know, I think as moms, we do feel like we have to do that. And I actually, that's one of the things I speak on is that we're all part of the family and we're all learning together. Yep. It cracks me up because um, I used to make bread and pies for our local farmer's market and I would do 80 loaves of bread every week. And somebody was asking me if I was hand cranking all of it. And I, I said, you know, if I were, I would have been entering a arm wrestling competition. Um, <laughs> so no, I did not hand crank at all, but I did make it all, make all the flour on my mill. And um, it was pretty primitive. I mean, we were strapping five gallon buckets onto the hopper and, you know, going to town and now fast forward many years later, and my husband has taken up bread making. Um, and uh, I'm telling you what, he, that man is spoiled because now he's got like, he's doing a study on which bread pans work the best. And it's, it's kind of funny just watching, you know, here I am just kind of making things work and he's looking into the science of the whole thing. And so, you know, I totally get it. Cause my husband is not the biggest fan of berry picking. Huh? He has giant paws for hands. <laughs> They yep. are hams. And so, I mean, he'll go out and like, you know, make sure the kids are picking and stuff, but he has a really hard time picking and, but we'll come home and I've got to get back to life and he'll pop right in there and run the steam juicer and can syrup like right there while he's making dinner. And he's all trying like more sugar and less sugar and, you know, yep. all these different things because that's the part he's good at. That's great. Yeah. Our, our neighbors have been very, um, beneficial recipients of <laughs> all of his bread and cheese. <laughs> I love so. it. So what's your favorite um, grain to mill? Well, you know, I have experimented some, I haven't experimented a lot, but um, I've done rye and I've done wheat and I've done kamut. Um, I've tried a little bit with spelt and at the end of the day, I think I'm just such a, I don't know, maybe somewhat boring or traditional. I just go back to my comfort zone and, um, you know, I use a lot of hard white wheat just because that's what I'm comfortable with. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what I stick to is my hard white wheat. Um, I have done some oat flour as well. Um I enjoy putting different seeds, I guess, into our breads and um, experimented some with even some herbs on in mm. the bread, you know, using yeah. still using the whole wheat, but um, different herb type things. And probably my family's favorite is a dilly bread, um, which is pretty yummy. So. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm imagining like toasted with some cheese on it or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's mm. our that's one of their favorite things is the dilly bread and homemade tomato soup. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Okay, now I'm hungry. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm pretty like tomatoes are life for me. So like mm -hmm. all summer long, all I do is eat fresh tomatoes yes. and all winter long, like we have tomato soup probably two nights a week. So love tomatoes. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I even so every time, like I see the Redmond's real salt guys, they're like, do you have our salt? I'm like, there is one in each of my cars and my briefcase. Cause you <laughs> yeah. never know when you're going to run into a good tomato. That's right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm kind of a nerd like that. My husband, like we just went to California and like, you know, we don't have tomatoes up here in Idaho yet. 
Uh-huh. We just had to go to California for a conference and there was all these fruit stands and he's like, I need to take you down and just get you a big old tomato. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, and like, he's like, does it count if you just eat it like right there, like just right? straight to the face? <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, the, the first tomatoes of the season where it's like something you just anticipate mm-hmm. all winter. So, oh yeah. Yeah. And we've had a couple rough years with our gardens. So this year I'm hoping I've had to leave twice and my kids don't love my garden the same way I do. So like, well, they actually, they surprised me and they pulled all the weeds in my walkways and put down the sand for me that my husband had got Uh so that I can garden barefoot and not be out there in all the weeds and stuff. Oh, nice. And it was beautiful, but they were so busy putting the sand down. They forgot to water it. Oh, I say kids, they're teenagers, you know? Yeah. They're like, well, the sprinkler ran every day. I'm like, yeah, but you know, when we're having 90 degree weather, you need to be out there extra hand watering. My husband informed me we're on our last jar of canned tomatoes and like, that's a sad day. So thankfully we're close though. We're fresh though. Yeah, we are. I had some ripe cherry tomatoes when I got home. So we're almost there, but my garden needed some love. Like I had to, I stood out there and watered it like an hour last night and then left the sprinkler running through dinner because I was like... I went and checked this morning. It looks pretty good. I had a couple of peppers that are still a little squishy that I'm like, I don't know if they're going to survive. <laughs> it has been so hot too. So yeah, it's, it has, but so one thing that I always, my tomatoes, it doesn't matter how good of grains I have in the house. I go down to the store and buy like some white wonder bread tomato <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> no, don't tell me that. <laughs> I know, but it's a thing. Like I know. <laughs> and I've made my own white bread and I have like really mastered a good sandwich bread. Uh-huh. But it's still like it's so much heavier than yeah. like and for my tomato sandwiches, there's just something just about it. Wonder Bread, yeah. <laughs> so I don't fun. even know if it's Wonder Bread. I go for the white bread, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I want that way. Oh, that's funny. So any any tips for a, a lighter loaf of bread? Oh, goodness. It still you holds know. together. <laughs> <laughs> um boy, you put me on the spot and my brain just kind of I know, right? There. And I don't um, need all your secrets. So, you know, <laughs> well, I think that's probably the reason that I really love the dilly bread is, um, and it, and you wouldn't even have to put the dill in it, but it actually has cottage cheese in the, Ooh. in the dough and, um, which you don't taste when you're eating it, but the fat in the, in the cottage cheese really, um, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, so I, I don't even know the correct correct terminology but I believe it feeds the yeast and um it just really makes such a great texture and it rises I remember we decided to bake bread at one of the shows that we were going to and um we froze a bunch of dough prior to going Mm -hmm. and um I was grinding the flour and I was making this dough and I was dividing it up into the little loaves and putting it as I would make a batch, I'd put one batch in the freezer and I come back and make another batch. And I, I went to open their freezer and the bread was rising in the freezer. What I was, it just really makes a great loaf of bread. Oh, oh wow. I can say. So um, I'm going to have to investigate, do some, I only bake in the summer or in the winter time. So sure. but I, like made a little note of that one. Cause I'm yeah, it is. It's shot. such a great, it's a great recipe. And, um, 
I definitely have that recipe if anybody's interested. So oh fun. Yeah. So um I'll definitely I might hit you up for that one. There you go. Yes, <laughs> it's a hit for sure. Because <laughs> yeah, like I said, I came up with a good sandwich bread. The kids love it. It's light. Mm-hmm. Um, that's using just white flour. Um, if we're in a if we're grinding at the time, then I'll do like a 50-50 white and uh-huh. I just the kids just don't get on board for that full wheat. Yeah. And you can't really, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you can do a full wheat every time I've tried it. It is so dry. And then if I add more liquid, then I end up with a gooey. Yeah. You know, it takes, I think that's the one thing that I usually try to encourage people over is to just keep experimenting. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people when they first start out, you know, they say, well, it makes like a brick if you're, and one thing that I have found is over kneading is definitely a big culprit of that. And I started when I, when I started with my bread, I was, I knew how to make white bread, but wheat bread was kind of a whole different thing. And one thing I stopped doing was putting it through two rises. I only do one rise and that is when it's in the loaf pan already shaped. And um, when it's almost double, that's when I put it in the oven. You know, again, I'm not a professional. People may or may not agree with that, but um, that's just what I do. And that's what works for us. And it definitely made a difference in how heavy the bread um, was compared to now how it is when I do it. So, well, and I mean, you say you're not a professional, but I just, I think it goes to show that you don't have to be a professional to make bread and to experiment with it. And just, you know, looking at it, like giving a few good tips like that, like over kneading, then I know to play with it. I know to play with my kneading time. I know to play with how long I leave it in my bread machine. If I'm voting on the dough cycle and you know, those types of things. So it is all about that, just playing with it. And you don't have it. You know what? Worst case scenario, it's gooey and you feed it to the chickens or hard and you turn it into bread like croutons or something exactly yep yeah there's always a way to use it and save it and um you know it all ends up working out it it was kind of a funny thing because I would usually make a big batch of bread when we were getting ready to do a photo shoot for one of our new brochures or something Mm -hmm. and inevitably it would feel like that day everything that could go wrong was going to go wrong with with my bread making and I remember one of them we were like okay well we're just going to have to pick the best worst looking <laughs> loaf we possibly can and and sure enough when you know somebody says well do you know what you did wrong when you did that loaf of bread and I'm like yeah sort of but you know what my customers have really been my educators so Mm -hmm. even if it's not perfect it's okay because it's still a learning opportunity and you know I'm just we're real we're not who we are so I'm a really good cook I am not a good baker yeah I'm not a bad baker but right my husband has this joke we call it ugly but yummy yeah (laughs) because (laughs) everything everything I bake is sideways. And I I don't even know, like we've, I've even checked my oven. Like I put a level in my oven to be like, why is everything sideways? I think it's just me. (laughs) That's see, that's the difference between my husband and me. He's all about making it like the perfect look. I'm just about getting it done and getting (laughs) it in the oven. And personally, I love to can more than I love to bake because you can be at it 
all day and it lasts for a really long time when you're canning but everything mm-hmm. else just seems like it's over in a pretty fast hurry so <laughs> yeah whenever I see a recipe that takes longer than a couple hours or something I'm like nope not doing not it, it. yeah not even interested <laughs> like I was like you know with sourdoughs where they're like and then you let it sit overnight and I'm like oh no if I if I go in the kitchen I'm going in the kitchen to cook yeah I'm not going back the next day right I think yeah. the only one I'll do with that is my broth. And that's because it is so easy to just, once it sits overnight, you can just strain it and go. Like yep. you're, because I don't usually can my broth because we go through it so fast. So I'll do like a really big batch and then uh-huh. just put it in the fridge or maybe freeze whatever's left. And then we'll, uh-huh. um, it's usually used within a couple of weeks. So I don't, I've never seen the point in canning uh, the broth. I mean, I'm sure there's a point. I, I know there's a point to it because, <laughs> of, you know, we run out or whatever, but we go through it so fast. It's just easier right. for me to do a batch of, you know, a couple of times a month and that's what works for us. So that's great. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. I, I definitely enjoy if I'm going to go to all the effort to see something that's going to hold up for a little while. So, yeah. So I have seen you guys just popping up everywhere lately. Um, I mean, I think you're going to be at every big conference I'm at this year, which is so fun. Or if you're not going to be there, you're sponsoring or something. Yeah. Um, has there been like a catalyst that made you go like, Oh my gosh, we need to like, or, you know, so back, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but we were invited to, uh, a fair that was being put on, um, in Pennsylvania. And it was the first real, how do I explain it? We had done small, like local, Mm -hmm. um, we live in Montana. So we have a big, we have a made in Montana program here. And we, we've been to the made in Montana fair, I guess you'd call it. And we've been to local, uh, home and garden show type things, but there wasn't really anything that was dedicated to, this lifestyle, I guess, if you will. And Mm -hmm. so years ago, we were invited to come to an event that um, was being put on by another company. And um, we went and we did that for several years. And it, it was really, it, it was definitely the right market so to speak I mean we didn't know what we were really getting ourselves into um to be honest with you because we were like well we don't know if we're gonna fit in with this crowd or is this are these our people we didn't know and Uh so we did it and it was great I mean we just we ran into you know people living on farms and just quite a variety of people and it was so Mm -hmm. much fun and then we had kind of a um, our business started really growing. Um, and then we also ended up having three of our grandchildren come and live with us. Oh wow! And that was a pretty significant life-changing event. And they were little, um, you know, eight, six, and, and not quite two at the time. And so, um, that, really shifted gears for us. And for several years, I kind of stepped back from work here at the, 
at the shop with being able to be in touch with the customers because, you know, I had the girls and they are still with us. They're older now. Um, and we have just, we had just started to get back into the, um, doing these events when the pandemic happened. And one of the events that was, we were really excited about was going to be hosted at Joel Salatin's place. Mm -hmm. And that was like the one that we were really looking forward to. And then it got canceled. And, oh no. And so after that, after the pandemic, what we noticed that came out of that was all of these other events that started happening for the, the, I don't know how else to put it, like the real homestead. I don't want to call it a movement. It's a, you know what? I, but was, it, I was just in California last week um, at a, com a homeschool conference. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, I'm not a homesteader yet, but I'm doing all these things. And I said, homesteading is a state of mind. It, yes. It's our desire to opt out of systems. As homeschoolers, you're already in that mindset. It's a needle on a gauge. It just, and it was wonderful because it was it was what we had been craving for so long it was like the other events that we were going to were hitting a portion of that but it it wasn't quite there and I couldn't quite put my finger on it and um as as a result of the pandemic with all of these conferences that are happening now people are they're aware and they're hungry I for information. They are so hungry for information. And I loved the event in Idaho. That was the first one that I myself have actually been able to go to. My daughter and my husband have started going to some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, because like I said, we still have the girls at home and um, take them takes a, a lot. You know, there's a lot going on there. My so, kids go um, with me to almost all my conferences, at least one yep. of them. Yep. So we're it is such an amazing experience for them. They just, it's so, they love it. You know, they're always coming up with, Hey, Nana, look what we just ground together out in the yard. You want to try it? And I'm like, um, what's in it? You know, maybe <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, they, it's, it's just been great because it really fits more of who we are. And I loved being in Idaho and getting able to being able to meet so many people. And it just, it, it made my heart happy because it really right. is, that's who we are. That's what we, you know, we love being able to visit with people and even people that are starting, you mm -hmm. know, like they're there because they want to know, they want to yep. learn. And so, yeah, I've been calling it a learning revolution. Yes. And it is amazing. Like I, like I said, I popped over to your guys' booth two or three times and I was literally kitty corner from you mm. and couldn't get away. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, uh, <clears throat> I think it's, um, getting back to our roots, you know, in a, mm -hmm. to, to some extent, you know, so I love that. And I'm, yeah. it was so busy in Idaho. I'm telling you what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was insane. I, it was. <laughs> I mean, I've, I go to these conferences all the time. Like I go to Homesteaders of America uh -huh. and, stuff, yep. and they're always busy, Yep. but oh my gosh, that was like, that tested my just abilities and my brain function and my 
physical and everything to the max. <laughs> well, I love that it was quote unquote in our backyard, you know, right? that never happens. It's always across the country or, you know, somewhere else. And so the fact that it was so close to home was we were able to take the guys from our shop because oh, I wanted them to see the excitement, what they're doing mm-hmm. is impacting people like this this is not just a tool this is like people are using this for making their bread and this is a lifestyle so um it just it was really great for them to be able to be a part of that and now they understand where our excitement comes from when we come back from an event it gives like them that. more ownership I know when it I does. go to a conference I am like on an on a high afterwards. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And, and I'm really excited. My whole online team is going to get to join me at the Ozarks Home Setting Conference next month. Oh, well, then they're I'll all get to huh? see you down there because we're going to yeah. be down there too. So how yeah. exciting! We'll <laughs> yeah. finally get to connect. I know, I know. Yeah, because we didn't really get to see each other in Idaho. I mean, it was always so busy. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then. So that I'm excited because they're all out of Kansas City, Missouri. So they're all okay. going to come down and they're going to, I'm going to actually get to meet my team. <laughs> nice. Oh, And fun. a couple of them are going to come work the booth too. And I'm really excited for that, for them to get to have those conversations and see like the back end of how everything works Yes. Um, with like our point of sale system and all of it that I think is just going to really be a game changer for my business. And I, I know how important it is to have your team like believe in you. Absolutely. And I think you nailed it when you said, you know, to have that ownership, because that mm-hmm. really was key for the guys to be able to experience that. Well, I think I met a couple of them. They were pretty cool guys. Yeah. Yep. They're fun. Yeah. I, I kept going over. I'm like, okay, where, where's the boss lady? And they're like, yeah. I have no clue, but do you want to see how this works? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I was there on Friday my grandkids were at camp and then Saturday they all came back. So there was, it was kind of mass chaos on Saturday. So <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Friday, my poor little guys, I mean, they, my three-year-old fell asleep in my booth flat on his back with a corn dog in his hand. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I had somebody come by. They said, of all the things I've seen at this event, I think that's the best thing I've seen. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Oh, so <clears throat> sorry. So where do you guys have plans for the future? Like where you're going? Or are you going to be able to expand? Like, well, you know, we, um, we do, we, we have, and like some... I said, I don't need all your secrets. I'm excited. No, <laughs> not at all. No, we have, we have had so many customer requests for various different hand operated tools. Mm -hmm. And um, I told you that our our business grew rapidly over a period of years ago. And in February of this year, we sold a portion of our business. We we had another product line that we did not related to Grainmaker. Grainmaker is what started it all, but um, we sold that that portion off, which has allowed us to come back to grain maker, which is our passion. And, um, we've had all these requests over the years for various different things. And, um, you know, I, I do see that my husband will not be 
I, I don't want to say that he's idle because by no means is he idle. He's, he's doing his cheese making and his bread making right now. We just got mm-hmm. some Guernsey cows and he's all oh, excited about that. And, um, but we, but I know he, he needs to create, that's just who he is. And so I don't know what it will be, but I would say that we definitely will see, um, some more products coming about in the near Wonderful. future. Yeah. You know, I have to say like just the look of your guys's product, your branding. I I have a green mill that I've had for a couple of years now. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I, I mean, I love it. I don't dislike it. Right. But I didn't realize what didn't attract me to it until I saw your guys's. Oh. And it was I'm not a chef. I'm an agriculturalist. Mm-hmm. And yours remind me of like a tractor. Oh, and it was very drawing to me. And I feel like there's a lot of other people in this space that feel the same way because we are drawn to that more kind of old fashioned look. And like, I I can't wait to have like have one in my kitchen. I am just beyond excited. So my husband and I've already like, we picked the one we want, like, and our Christmas presents to each other this year are we do it every year. The big appliances are the big things that we want, like a freeze dryer and a new smoker on the list too. Like not his little, like $300 smoker. Like he wants like a $5,000 smoker. Sure. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And so we're, we're excited because that's our wish list this year. And I'm, I just, like I said, I love the look and I, it's so um, appealing to the way I've always lived that's great yeah we we both grew up on farms and um you know you want something that's gonna last that's not gonna fall apart when you Mm -hmm. really need it and so um that's that's always been our goal and um you know at the end of the day you can have great advertising, but your customers are always going to be your best advertisers. And we care about each one of them and taking care of them. So we, we figured we may not ever be the largest grain mill manufacturer in the, in the world, but we really wanted to have a good name and um, do our very best. So, well, you know, you're in the right space because where you're at now with the homesteaders, like what we, whatever we say, a movement, I've even called it a political party yeah. <laughs> it is um, it's the story. It's the connection, the goal. And you guys, you know, basically small business owners who have a goal and have a solid product. That's what's important. Yeah. So. I mean, definitely keep doing what you're doing. And so that actually brings me to a beautiful place in our episode. I ask all my guests, what does keep growing mean to you? Oh, wow. Keep growing. I think that for me, it would mean that um, I don't, I don't feel like we've arrived. I feel like there's so much more that we're learning um, initially with the mill, you just think grain, you know, I'm going to put my, my wheat in here. I'm going to turn the handle and I'm going to make 
flower. And it was literally, I, I still get phone calls from people that will ask me, will it grind? And they'll give me something I've never heard of before. And literally today, that question was, will it grind cherry pits? Well, I don't know. Why do you want to grind cherry pits? So when I think about. <laughs> I'm trying to think, think of a way. Are they at least drying them first? Because I know they're, they're getting them off the tree and they're they're making their cherry. um jelly and there's something in the pits apparently that help thicken I don't know I've never heard of this this is a brand new thing to me I've never I don't even know the process and he says well we just got one of your mills and we're going to try it so I'm like well let me know because I have no idea I, I would have never even I really hope your mill thought. is easy to clean <laughs> I, well I told him I said the worst case scenario you're going to make a mess that you're going to have to clean up but you know it I just love the the fact that we are constantly learning so growing um in knowledge you know we just we just thought simple mill flower you know weed in flower out but no we're we're constantly growing and changing because of all the things that people are finding out and teaching us so that's what i love and that's what that means to me that gets me excited mm-hmm. like I want to know what's going to happen next <laughs> I know me too <laughs> so I, that, now I have one more question okay what are your how do you what's the mechanism that grinds in your mills so um it's pretty simple um you have a an auger and we have two we have one that just looks like a big spring and one looks a little more aggressive and it, depending on the size of the grain depends on which auger you're going to use and that pushes it into the grinding burrs and so they're two steel plates that rub against each other and you can determine how fine or coarse you want it to be by turning the knob on the front you don't need multiple sets just one set of grinding plates that's all you need and um, you adjust it by turning the knob on the front. So the more space between the two, the coarser the product is going to be. And the less space or the closer together that the burrs are, the finer the grind. So the burrs well, actually, are- it opens it up where it would be able to grind more than like my stone mill ones because. You, yeah. Yeah. And you can do oily products too, because it's a steel mm. burr mill. It allows you to do like um, nut butter. Um, you can do flax meal, um, poppy seed meal, that type of thing. So it won't do anything wet. Well, we don't recommend doing anything wet. Um, but you can do oily and you can do dry. Um, but a lot of people will, you know, grind, like they'll dehydrate onions and make their own onion powder or garlic powder and potato flour. And, oh, the list just goes on. We're, like I said, we're still learning. I know I'm loving that because I wanted to experiment with zucchini flour this year. Yep. And I was like, I can't use it through my grain mill because I just don't think it, I could ever get it dry enough. Yeah. And do that. That would be the, the key thing is that it does for the vegetables. They do really have to be dry. If they're, if they've got moisture in them at all, they just, it's not going to hurt the grain mill it, but it will gum up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would, I would say that, um, 
the only thing we don't recommend putting in there, like I said, is wet product. And then we have customers in the southwestern portion of the United States that do a lot of mesquite. And mm -hmm. mesquite, they come in a pod and they're very fibrous. That does not work. But oh. um, so if it's fibrous or if it's wet, you know, not not so much. Well, I'm gonna want to try. I'm gonna want to try the zucchini now. Yeah, definitely. That would be because otherwise it would just be going in my food processor that's this big, you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I love it. So, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Maybe a, like a spiel about your product a little, or whatever you want to provide. Sure. Um, we are definitely online, and so you can find our website at um, grainmaker.com. You definitely can give us a phone call. We're um, at 406-777-7096. And, um, and emails are also a good way to connect. And it's bonnie at grainmaker.com. Wonderful. I am so excited to see you guys again and to get your product here in a couple months. And I hope that um, everybody goes and checks you out and just sees what an amazing product you guys are putting out there. Thank you so much, Cody. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Have a good one. And thank you for coming on. Uh-huh. Thank you. You have a nice day. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at The Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!